welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast dedicated to bringing you all of the stories from behind the scenes of the Aussie music industry. Well, as per usual, I am Tiana. Welcome back or hello for the very first time. And thank you for joining me for episode seven today, Lights, Management, Action. From sparking imaginations in dazzling fashion as an in-demand lighting technician, to keeping bands alive as a tour and band manager extraordinaire, Will Hunter is a tireless creative juggernaut who is equally at home hurling colours at your eyes and getting musicians to bed on time. For many, they may know Will for his current pursuits as resident TM and live lighting wizard for Brisbane Pony Progster's Caligula's Horse. And yes, for all of the Seahorse fans out there, the tune Will's song was indeed written about this lovely individual. But just how did Will end up in this pocket of the musical world? I, for one, am very keen to get to know more. Let's do this. Will Hunter, as I live and breathe, it is so exciting to have you on Behind the Soundcheck today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I know you are a very busy man, as most people are. For a little bit of background on you, I'm going to give you your biography to your face or to your ears. Wow. Your... <laughs> I have one of those? Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, it, it could be hilarious and it could be completely wrong. So yeah, hit me with it. Oh, I'm excited. You are a lighting guru, a tour manager, a family man. Plus we also have a verbal contract that we're starting a band just in case you thought you were going to get out of that one. But Oh, no, 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 no. Mm, mm, we'll talk about that after I think we'll get our band <laughs> rehearsal. Um, but let's start off with your current creative endeavors. You've specialized in lighting in particular for a fair while now. So to start yeah. it off a little bit broad, I guess, initially with your creative pursuits, how did you get started in this colorful world? Did you see what I did there? Um, yeah, that's very, very clever. Um, yeah, I think as most lighting people started, I was originally a sound guy. Started with sound, you know, obviously had a band as a as a kid and as a teenager and wanted to go to, you know, college and learn how to do all the ins and outs of sound. Did that for a while and then, yeah, eventually, you know, there's a few gigs that I went to and they were always lacking a lighting person or, well, more so the lighting desk was always free and no one on it. So, <laughs> I, 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 oh, look, I get bored easily. So I just jump on and, you know, have a bit of a play and, yeah, just got to, got to like it and um, seemed to adapt to it pretty quick. And honestly, I think it is video games and drumming. It's the two things that, you know, made me do lighting pretty decent from the start and then yeah just kind of worked my way up did a few bands did a few festivals and yeah it took me took me quite far so it's good so with your sound and music stuff what did you actually do back in the day before you started playing on light desks and all that kind of fun stuff did you actually study to get into that side of things or did you just kind of evolve into it by being around the music world no, I um, I definitely, so yeah, like I said, I was in bands, but um, went to SAE and did that thing and, you know, wanted to become a proper audio engineer. And actually, funnily enough, my next door neighbor owned a recording studio and he came over to tell me off for drumming once because he was in the middle of a session and uh, we just got talking. And then, yeah, I ended up working with him in his studio for about four years, did about 50 albums with him. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just one of those weird destiny fate things but yeah it was awesome yeah it's funny how it can pan out not necessarily how you planned it or expected it but yeah I like that oh yeah it, it, it's panned out very well but yeah and there's no way in hell that I ever thought when I was going to SA that I'd be a lighting guy there's no way well I didn't even know what lights were to be honest like, you know, nobody, nobody gives a shit about lights do you know this actually sounds made up but literally before this phone call I broke a light globe in my bathroom <laughs> 
So I feel like it was very fortuitous. I reckon I could fix that if I tried. Yeah, I might have to hit you up for that. That's a very weird coincidence that I just remembered. Anyway, I digress. Um, I think with the lighting side of stuff, the interesting thing is that it's something that when it's done well, it looks effortless and sensational. And it can sometimes surpass, I don't want to say the lack of quality of sound or music on stage, but it can really kind of elevate everything to much, much bigger heights than would be, you know, if they were just standing there playing with all the stage lights on or the house lights on, strumming along. I suppose for people who aren't as initiated with what really goes on from a live lighting perspective, from your experience, what goes into bringing creative ideas to life in the world that you are in with stage lighting? What's your usual process? That's a good question. I think um, to to really like, you know, give the best for the band, you have to know the songs in and out. There's, um, you can kind of freestyle with lighting, which is a term that we call busking and say if, you know, we're at a certain venue and the support actor like, oh, can you jump on and do some lights? Yeah, that's fine. And you kind of just you know, you can feel what's coming up and like, I just watch the drummer because, you know, as being a drummer, I think that's just the easiest way to connect with music more for me. Mm. And um, yeah, and but like certain certain songs, you know, have to me, like, you know, a really angry song would be red and then the chill songs would be blue. You kind of just, I don't know, you feel moods and uh, hopefully can express that subtly enough that the average punter doesn't actually realize you know oh he's doing that he's doing that but it, mm-hmm. but it kind of works with the music that's yeah kind of what I try and accomplish mm. and a lot would yeah. come into what you can accomplish for a band I mean in particular the old budget chestnut do mm. budgetary restraints ever come into play with this and do they ever force you into some creative problem solving because people may not always consider that they always think about all the other aspects um, of it all of the time like I, <laughs> well, money is everything, really. mm-hmm. but, um, you know, if, if you go to massive concerts, like you will see just the most ridiculous, ridiculous lighting rig, like that costs so much money. And the LD, like the lighting designer would have spent weeks or even months programming every single song. And, you know, there's just so much money thrown at it and so much love and time that they can give you those massive wow moments. Um, mm. but when you're touring, you know, the local circuit or, just going to a venue with all the in-house stuff, you don't really have that ability to be able to put on a stadium level show. Mm. So you kind of have to work within your constraints and, you know, the good lighting people out there can get a good show out of less things, but more is more and more is better Mm -hmm. in the end. So, but yeah, no budget really when looking at a band, like touring with a band, and then you kind of look at the lighting budget at the end, it's always down the bottom, like a big smudge next to it. And yeah, Tears of me. <laughs> <laughs> a picture of Will. But you look at the effect. Exactly. I mean, you you look at, say, I feel like it's a name that has come up in a lot of the podcasts I've been doing, but put, look at Parkway Drive, for example. I mean, they're obviously an amazing band, but their light show at the moment yep. is just diabolical. It's just ballistic. It is. It is insane. And it's just every time I see those guys, it's just, it blows me away. Like their LD is just incredible. And mm. You know, there's so many good Australian LDs as well that when given the budget and the time, like we can do some incredible stuff here as well. So Mm. yeah, once again, it it just comes down to, it comes down to budget and time. And especially with going back to, I'm sure every podcast evolves into the the Spotify and the merch and all that stuff. Mm. But um, yeah, it's just like bands, it's hard for bands to make money and to be able to like for a band to put aside X amount of dollars to go into production is hard when you're thinking of the cost, especially in Australia, like flights, accommodation, there's just so much that goes into it, the production. 
unless you're a top level band, really gets thrown down the chain. But, mm. you know, when you see it done right, like Parkway Drive or, you know, even someone that just came through recently, Hans Zimmer, like his, mm. his rig is absolutely insanity. But yeah, with, with that unlimited dollar sign next to the, <laughs> the production budget, yeah, you can do some incredible stuff. Well, it, it's amazing. I feel like sometimes the less money I have, it does force me to find other avenues and sometimes avenues I never considered. So I'm trying to turn it to good. Like I'm being a little bit overly optimistic, but yeah, I guess it makes you better off. And when the money does come in, then you kind of got a, a bigger arsenal than someone who say started off with all of the dollar dollar bills. So maybe it's a blessing. Exactly right. Like, you know, and it's been cool. Like in my career, like I started in tiny little clubs in Sydney with four lights and, you know, you kind of try and make the best that those little four lights can do <laughs> and you give it your all. But like now, thankfully, I've got a bit more of a rig to play with on mm. the venues that I go with. But um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's good to start from there and kind of you make that look good. And then the more lights you get, you know, you can do some cool stuff. Mm. And in your current capacity, I mean, obviously you work frequently with the Caligula's Horse Boys, as well as a lot of other people in the past as well, making those pretty ponies look extra pretty on stage. Um, uh, the ponies. The ponies, but with regards to them, I mean, because there are someone you have worked with quite frequently now, do you find yourself like it's just something you can just kind of go into autopilot with, or is it something that you're constantly trying to evolve with the guys? Yeah, uh, the, there's definitely never an autopilot. Like with with the, I, I think I've been with them for five years or a bit more now. So I have developed like because I've been listening to their songs and like unbiasedly, like they are my favorite band as well. So I do listen to them all the time anyway, but mm. um, I have evolved each song. I know exactly what works in the, this bit of that song or this song should look this color. Like, so that has been five years of meticulously working to see what works and doesn't work. And I think at the moment, yeah, I've, I've got it pretty nailed. Like all, always can do better, of course, but mm. um, like, the, the most recent uh, show uh, tour that we did, I was really, really, really happy with. So mm. hopefully the fans liked it as well. So Yes, I do recall being quite impressed by the lighting. Side note. <laughs> hey, I, I did a thing. Awesome. I did a thing. Number one, one fan. <laughs> <laughs> and another side of your creative life, you know, another feather in your creative cap is that you also do tour managing, not just lighting yeah. for these guys and I'm curious is it something that again you just evolved into because of the company you were keeping and who you were with or how did that adventure happen with you um yeah it kind of just happened naturally um as I was you know on tour quite a bit I kind of got to know the ins and outs of traveling around Australia and I'm quite in my personal life quite an organized and meticulous person when it comes to planning so um I think you know those skills definitely translated over to being able to get a motley crew and safely shepherd them across this big, big Australia, <laughs> mm. um, which 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 does pose like it does pose a lot of difficulties. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 fun. It's completely different to lighting. Like lighting is kind of like a very much a creative outlet that you know you can look back on and go onto YouTube and stalk <laughs> people <laughs> that put videos up and go, ah, oh, yeah, that was sick. But um, mm. yeah, there's none of that for tour managing. It's more of at the end, everyone's happy, everyone's healthy. And yeah, you, you got that respect from, you know, the bands that you work with and mm. you've done a good job. So, yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I always thought of it as something I would really enjoy. And then the reality of it just was like a slap in the face. Like you are always on, you're in charge, you're wrangling instruments, cats, telling boys not to smoke mm -hmm. out in the stairwell. God knows what else. Um, uh, 
you're, you're the last to sleep. You're the first up. If somebody, you know, if if you're the one to find the nearest bar or the nearest food, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's an always on gig. But you know, with that, it it comes some really really cool things as well. And mm-hmm. you know, you're you're like the shepherd type mm. thing and um yeah i don't know just getting respect from the band and hopefully giving them a good time this is what yeah. it's all about it's all about the band everyone <laughs> has to remember if it wasn't for the band none of us would be doing what we're doing so mm. you know the band always has to come first yeah absolutely and i guess if you're doing these roles simultaneously is it a difficult thing to like switch on your creative brain switch on your tour managing hat switch back and forth is it something that you can quite readily accomplish um, I think when I'm in front of the console, it's creative mode. Like I, th- I think any musician with an instrument is the same. It's like at the back, I'm putting up run sheets for the night, talking to venue staff, doing all that, making sure everything runs on time. But as soon as it's me in front of the desk, it's completely creative mode. And uh, you get into that, what I've been reading about, the flow state where mm. you know, you're just completely 100% focused on the band and the show. And then... After that's done, it's back to put on the TM hat, which um, I actually had a, a ridiculous cowboy TM hat for a time there. <gasps> oh, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, it's a, oh, it's a thing. It's totally a thing. Um, and, yeah, put that hat back on and then go through doing the rest of the night as that. But um, definitely two different worlds. Mm. And you've done this – well, you've balanced both of these worlds, both locally and overseas, I believe, as well, Um you know? Not over. Oh well, we've gone, we've gone to New Zealand. Oh, um, um, yeah, I'll take it. Over, yeah, that's oh, that's overseas. <laughs> I went over AC. I went overseas. So I'll, I'll, I'll claim that. But oh. um, yeah, the, the other t- the other times that we were going to go overseas, um, I had my little daughter, and mm. obviously, you know, that's um, that's definitely the number one thing in my life. So yeah. yeah. Well, and I guess having a family too, you're balancing a lot of competing factors, both in a creative sense and a personal sense. How are you finding the time to be a person in amongst all of this madness and uh, music? Uh, difficult. <laughs> Very difficult. Mm. Um, I, try, I try and be, you know, as present as I can when I'm at home. But sometimes when you work ridiculous hours and you just need that day off, like it's super hard to be present. And But, you know, when, you, when your little girl walks up to you and smiles and laughs, it's like, yep, that's it. We're here. Yeah. So it, it is difficult. but. It's, I've got a wonderful, wonderful wife who's very, very understanding. And mm. yeah, so, so, so it's all good. Like it's, it's, it's all good, but it is very, very hard. And I haven't slept properly in a very, ever. Very <laughs> yeah, ever. I think I told you that the other day. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, hey, you need to find, you need to find a photo of me where it looks like I've at least got two hours sleep. Oh, so. Why do you think I wear glasses? It hides the bags under my eyes. Holy shit. Yeah. I need to get some glasses. Life, <laughs> life hack right there. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I needed. Yes, we're done. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> um, so just to briefly go back to the whole tour managing, managing side of things, I mean, mm-hmm. you obviously have to kick in and you have to sometimes be, you know, the ultimate adult in the room in a lot of scenarios like that. And yep. I guess from someone who's done it so frequently, what's a memorable tour moment from your experiences that are stuck with you, whether it's good, bad or hilarious, where you've had to kick into that mode? Like has it, has there been a memorable tour moment where it's just all gone to shit or it's all gone really well and you've just walked away and it's just been something that has stayed with you? I think it's um it's definitely got to do with fans that kind of try and push boundaries. Like 
I think there was one instance, I think you might have actually been there, um, in Sydney where yep. one of the fans tried to sneak back through into the green room, like completely past security. I'm not too sure how. And, um, yeah, just walked up with her, you know, record or something and like, you know, trying to walk into the room. And it's just at that time, like all the band like looks up, looks at me and I'm like, all right, go time. And just kind of shepherd her away and go, oh, no, you're not supposed to be here. I don't know how you got here. But <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, nicely shepherd her back out. But, um, yeah, there's fans that, and of course they want to see the band. I get that. But mm. like you're going into their personal space, like there's, there's you know, there's got to be some thought that you know it's wrong. Like, mm. you know, you know what you're doing is wrong. Like, of course you may love the band, but, you know, there's better ways to go go beyond that. But um, mm. other than that, like another hard thing is trying to find restaurants for vegans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. We, we've gotten very, very, very good at it. But uh, yeah, learning at the start. Um, when when you finish a gig and Macca's is the only thing open or Hungry Jack's, it's it's hard getting vegan food. Mm. So yeah, we've 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 finally nailed on that. But yeah, that was that was difficult. But yes. a lot of places are doing really good vegan meals now. So thank you Australia for coming to the party. Yeah, stepped it up a notch. I'm very impressed. Mm. <laughs> and. I guess as someone who has lived this job for a while now, are there any tips or advice you would give to someone who is considering going into the world of tour managing that you wish you got when you first started this whole adventure? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think really the, the only advice that I would give is you're there as when you work for a band, you're there for someone that's, you know, there to take care of them and just to make sure that their only thing to do is to play music. Everything else should be covered by you, but you need to get along with that band. Like I've, there's been a few bands over the years, um, no names, but like <laughs> we just didn't, we, we just didn't click and we tried and we did a few gigs, but there was never that mutual respect, but also just, you know, personalities click. And I think if you're really looking at being a tour manager or an, or an LD or an audio guy, like, with the band you work with, you've got to get along and you've, that respect has got to be there. Like if you're there for your own merit or I'm only going to work for this band because, you know, they have this name or mm. it's, it's not going to work and you're not going to have a good time. But I mean, that can be said for any pursuit in life. Mm. <laughs> I mean, if your, heart's not, if, if your heart's not in it, like what are you doing? Do something else. Oh God, where were you when I worked in retail? <laughs> Um, probably working landscaping, hating myself as well. Oh. So don't worry. I, I've I've been on the other side of the I've been on the other side as well. Yeah, high five. I was, um, yeah, I I really feel so so <laughs> sad for the guys that I see whippersnipping the side <laughs> of the roads. I, I used to do that shit, and I feel you. I feel mm. you, dog. Yeah, I'll bring well, a beer next time. Yeah, beers for all. <laughs> I say. <laughs> um, and so before I wrap up kind of the more formal aspect of this, I'm interested to touch on something you kind of mentioned earlier on is as someone who is involved in the music industry so heavily and all jokes about our potential band aside for the moment, mm -hmm. have you, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a separate one. Have you oh. contemplated continuing your own musical endeavors or launching into like the writing and performance side of things? Are you secretly holding out on us? Um, so I, I was in a band for a long time called The Round Persuasion with good friends of mine and we were going pretty good, you know, we were getting a few gigs, everything was, was going very well. And then, um, my, my wonderful, wonderful, uh, lead singer and guitarist, him and his awesome family moved to Melbourne and I don't blame him because Melbourne's awesome, but, mm -hmm. um, that kind of threw a spanner in the works just as we were kind of on the rise, which, you know, family stuff happens. I get that, but there's no way 
like we could start it again and I'm too old. I can't, mm. I can't start from the ground up again. Like, it, you know, we, we had some awesome, so- well, what I thought was awesome songs, played some mm. cool gigs, but like, I would love to, like, I love drumming. I absolutely mm. love it. But, but seeing, you know, touring with bands and doing LD stuff for bands and seeing how much work goes into professional bands. Yeah. It's, it's not just, you know, if, if you make it overnight, holy shit, good on you because yeah, all the bands that I've worked with have worked there fucking asses off mm. so yeah. yeah the reality is like compared to when you're in your 20s and everyone's just playing the local gig circuit to when you kind of are like oh this this is a career this is not just yeah. me plugging into the amp and bashing out a few songs and then getting totally drunk afterwards exactly yeah like 70 bucks and like you know eight beers and that was the sickest night ever mm. like for the whole band yeah that was, yeah. yeah that was awesome but um yeah you can't can't raise a family on that so Ooh. yeah Yeah, fair. And to kind of wrap up looking at you on a broader scale, you seem to obviously have quite a creative instinct about you. What is it that actually inspires you, whether it's your lighting or this kind of stuff? Is there something that you do that really brings out your creativity more so than just switching it on and, you know, rocking up and setting up your rig and doing all that? Is there something external that kind of inspires you or you're more of an intrinsic man? Uh, no, I think, well, the reason why I am in this industry is music. Like, you know, music is, runs through my blood. I love it to death. You know, I have so many songs that just give me goosebumps and just this completely, you know, incredible feeling. So it's still so high. Like I may not be playing music, but I'm still so appreciative of it. And being able to be in the industry and seeing all these such incredible, hardworking musicians, like this little group that I've somehow got around me now i have no idea how i got here but it's just it's so inspiring and the way that they work and the way that they train and just seeing the products that they come out with is just absolutely incredible and that's inspiring enough and you mm. know being being around that creativity yeah it, it rubs off on you and yeah it's it's really really inspiring yeah i think that's a really nice way to put it yeah. i like that a lot well to kind of go into more of a slightly quicker version of this chat i mm-hmm. am doing a little rapid fire round i'm calling it the sound check sound off basically I, yeah i everyone gets a bit nervous <laughs> like it's i always say i'm gonna ask quick questions and you can't overthink but <laughs> you can totally take I, I your don't time know why but i just grabbed a pen and paper like that was gonna help in a quick round it, it will we need, i need to get people <laughs> buzzers i think if i do another season i'm gonna have to get buzzers or something we're gonna have to up the ante and have a theme song <laughs> More production budget. We were coming Aye. back to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. You're you can come back anytime. <laughs> so, so do you need to do any nervous crying or screaming? Um, I'm good. Okay. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So, number one, you're a prolific lighting technician who has a song named after him, specifically referencing colors. What's your favorite color or colors to use when you're running lights, and why? Oh, that's awesome. Um. Green and purple, yeah, they're just – every time I throw a green and purple look up, it's just incredible. So, mm. yeah, green and purple. Let's go yeah, with that. I like it. Actually, I'm pretty sure the first seahorse gig I ever saw you lit in Sydney, and I'm pretty sure I have photos of lots of green and purple. So your story checks out. That's probably where I first discovered that. I like <laughs> just it. Like every song. Precious <laughs> memories. Okay, good answer. Number two, what gig did you walk away from being absolutely blown away by the lighting? It technically shouldn't be your own, but you can say your own if you want to. Oh, recently, actually, no, no, I, I, ne- I never walk away from my own gigs going, ah, you know, that was perfect. But um, 
recently I did, um, I helped with James Morrison up at the Fortitude Valley. And, you know, I don't know much of James Morrison, but his, he had this LD from the UK and him and his crew. And that was just absolute, just the way that he worked. Everything was so subtle, but so incredible. So mm. the LD, his name was, I, that's going to kill me, but he Do you, was want to, you can Google it if you want. I'll let you Google it. I'll, 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 I'll Google it later and I'll put it under because that dude deserves recognition because he was a champ. Awesome. Yeah, I'm actually not as familiar, so I'm definitely going to suss that out. Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it just, it just, I wasn't expecting it and it was just, it, it got me and it was just, holy shit, that was good. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. That, that legend. Nice one. Yeah. Okay, number three. If you could pick any band in the world, alive or dead, to go on the road with as tour manager, who would it be? That's a great question. Um, oh, gonna say, I'm gonna say, run the jewels actually. Oh uh, yes, because I, I reckon that would be so much fun. And they look like like they drink heaps of whiskey and they party all the time. And it's just, I reckon that'd be good advice. And and Killer Mike looks like he just gives the best hugs. Yeah, I reckon run the jewels for sure. Yep, my housemate will be happy you said that. And you had me at whiskey, so. Tick, you, another win. <laughs> okay, now, yay. Um, yay. Now, a more specific music one. You're a man who balances a heap of work with family, as we've mentioned. When the time comes to let your hair down, what song is guaranteed to get you on the dance floor? No questions asked. Oh, dancing. Um, Daft Punk, actually. Uh, they're random access memories. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's just the funk is in that whole album and um, my wife can actually tell you about times that I've been dancing around the kitchen to that in socks sliding oh, about. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that that's, that's, that's good. It's a rare occasion that I do get up and have a boogie, but mm. yeah, I was feeling it that night. Well, shout out to Will's wife. If, in case she wants to send any video of that for, for me to share no, with no, everyone. No, 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 no. Damn it. No, no. <laughs> Nearly had you. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. You've lit up a heap of venues over the years now. What's been your favorite venue you've worked in? Oh, that's a cool question too. You're full of them. Um, um, I think I really, I did Soundwave one year, uh, 2014, I think. That just for the, the sheer scope of being at a festival mm. was insanity. And um, I got to like Gojira and Gua. Which was Stop fucking, it. Yeah, it's insane. That That's kind of where it all clicked. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this forever. <sighs> but um, Venue-wise, I love 170 Russell, but Howler. I went to Howler recently in Melbourne, and um, they got a good thing going there. Really, really nice crew, really awesome stage, good lighting rig. I'd I'd say that. And I'd be, if I didn't say the Fortitude Music Hall (laughs) up in Brisbane, um, I'd get shot. So definitely check out the Fortitude Music Hall as well. Yeah, nice. I snuck through when it was empty, and my God, I wanted to jump from those chandeliers. It was amazing. Yeah, those, those chandeliers are awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, now that, that venue is kick-ass. Now, nearly finished. Being a tour manager, mm-hmm. what is your must-have essential item to take with you to keep you sane when you're on the road? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, Nintendo Switch. That's exactly um, what that, Sam Valen said to me when I asked him that. Well, him and I have had many Mario Kart battles, um, and, yeah, it's, it's insane how good that thing is. It's, mm-hmm. If you want to shut off for a bit, you go into the world of Super Smash Brothers and you just fuck some shit up. And, and the fact that, you know, mostly everyone in the band has it so we can all play Mario Kart together is pretty cool. So I'm going to say Nintendo Switch for a good pair of headphones. Yeah. Like, you can't, you really can't beat that. Yeah. 
Side note, I'm getting a Switch for Christmas from Santa, so I'm so excited. I've already bought a case for it. You are going to have the best time. Oh, I'm never going to never going to talk to anyone again. <laughs> well, you don't have to. That's yes. the thing. <laughs> yes, my dream. <laughs> now, <laughs> to close out each podcast episode, I'm asking each of my guests to share with me a song or a sound or musical experience that changed your life, um, something that heavily impacted you, whether it was professionally or personally, and something that still holds a special place for you. So, Will, what is your song or sound? Um, the the album that kind of put me on, I don't know, the musical path was the Mars Volta de Laos and the Crematorium. Hearing that in high school was just, it was fucking insane. Like, I, there had been nothing before that well, that I'd heard in my, you know, little little sphere of, of music and a bunch of friends um, and I kind of got onto that music at the same time. And it was just the weirdest prog with, you know, a shrilling vocals of Cedric and, and the drumming, like Theodore is just fucking to this day john theodore is the sickest drummer um he's playing for queens of the stone age now but it was just yeah to this day that whole album like i you can't listen to it song by song either it has to be the whole album and yeah that kind of got my love for prog and then that kind of you know went to dream theater and all the rest of it but yeah definitely definitely in the mars volta yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to listen to them tonight, actually. I think I'm going <laughs> to as uh, well. I haven't for a long yeah. time. I still have hearing damage uh, from when I saw them live, actually, so I'm still recovering. Oh, where was that? That was Brisbane. God, um, what's there? Like, the one in South Bay. Way, way, way. Yeah, I'm talking like yeah, 10 yeah. years ago or so, and I was like, I just needed a moment. Idiot didn't have earplugs, by the way, but yeah. I was like in the back corner just being like, I can't think I'm seeing colour and tasting sound and... <laughs> I can't, I can't remember. All of my mates went to that gig and I missed it. And they're just like, you missed the greatest night in the world. And to this day, it's like one of my regretful, regretful gigs that I didn't oh, go to. So that's all right. Next yeah, time you'll be right. front row and hopefully with earplugs, unlike me. Yeah, hopefully they reform and then I will be front row. <laughs> yes, we'll make it happen. We'll start a petition. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Will, it has been such a treat to jump inside your brain today and thank you for sharing some of your stories and experiences and no doubt you will be seen around at some gigs in the near future. So anyone keen to catch Will in action can jump along to a Caligula's Horse show or potentially our show when we get our band together. But for now... You didn't didn't touch on that. You didn't didn't let these guys know that we've got some... I was trying to keep it a secret. So Will and I met for the... Actually, no, 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 I like that. Let, let, let's add the like mystery. Yeah, let's get the yeah. Let's let's get the mystery. But we're, we've got some fucking hardcore, crazy music coming out, guys. Um, yeah. 20, 2021. 2021. Oh, thank God you let's, said let's that. Thought, <laughs> take the pressure off. <laughs> no, no. I just I just saw it's October. I'm like, well, it's not going to happen in 2020. So 2021, watch yep. out. T what? and Will, we're going to fucking we're going to rock you. Watch this space. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Watch this space. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting. And yeah, I can't wait to come see you in action in the near future. I can't wait either. It will be awesome. Thank you so awesome. much. Thanks, dude. Talk soon. Well, that is it for another episode of Behind the Soundcheck. Thank you for lending me your ears today. And for those who have been tuning in frequently with this podcast, you may have noticed I've proposed starting bands with the majority of my guests. But when I first met Will in person, I did ask him to start a band with me within the first three minutes of meeting, because that's just how I roll. And I feel I have to stay loyal to this tenuous agreement. So Will, if you're still listening, I will be late to band practice this week great I can just tell you over this and not have to call you 
and also do not play Wonderwall without me. And for everyone else, if you're still with me, because let's not lie, the outros are the bit we all love to skip. If you want to catch up on any episodes you've missed so far of Behind the Soundcheck, you can either jump over to my website, The Soundcheck, which is thesoundcheck.org, or just go lurky on the internet. There are so many places to find podcasts these days. So just search Behind the Soundcheck and hopefully the relevant podcast will show up for you. Okay, let's wrap this up for real because I'm going to go eat a burger. Much love to the Osaka Punch gents for loaning me Hall of Shame for my theme song. And a huge thank you, of course, to Will for sparing his time. I hope to catch you all again next week with more Behind the Soundcheck. Bye for now. Bye for now.